Welcome to Shoutcast. I am Margaret Cho. I'm Jim Short. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just a, a, a little guest here at the show. No, you are. You and I are, are partners here, and right. we're going to put together this this um, Shoutcast. And and um, you know, it's it, it's we wanted to we wanted to do a, a podcast because you know we just thought this would be a good idea, and I think we have a lot to say. Yes. So it's perfect. It's a lovely way to uh, just uh, sit down and have a conversation. And everybody right. gets to listen in. Yeah, they have to. They're forced to listen. Yeah, right. So you know, um, so if you're on the treadmill right now, you you you're you're gonna go. I said <laughs> set the incline to about seven percent, and <laughs> let's begin um, with a warm up. I I think um, this is a a big day for Hollywood. You know, we we just came out of the the Golden Globes last night, and I I I didn't watch the uh, entire ceremony. Of course, you and I went to the movies instead, and we saw. Django Unchained, Absolutely, which, which yeah. was marvelous. But um, the Golden Globes was interesting. I, I really, I thought that Jodie Foster's speech was really, I, I thought it was moving mm-hmm. and I thought it was great that she came out, but it seemed like um, there was something uh, to it. Like, I, I don't know if she was going to do it. Like, she seemed like she was going to back out. Like, she was almost thinking like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. Uh, I think the whole thing was really just a smokescreen to get everybody not thinking about the fact that she was there with Mel Gibson. (laughs) I think it was like, uh, oh, I better do something to deflect the fact (laughs) so that people don't go in, why is she there with Mel Gibson? Well, it's also weird. Like, why do they hang out? Like, I don't know what kind of common ground they have. Yeah, what is that? What is the thing that the bond between them, other than they've done a few movies, Right. did they hang out afterwards? They must hang out. Because his face last night was like, I didn't know that, love. (laughs) Cool, blind, really? He seemed really surprised. I think, I think that was his moved face. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was his like. Uh, I think I, I'm having an emotion, but I'm not sure. <laughs> and uh, it was a flashback to all the taped phone calls. Yes. From his uh, other, other life. We're not the, screaming. The, yeah, right. Not screaming <laughs> yeah, right. and um, cursing. And I mean, and he was, uh, I, I don't know. He seemed to be the most surprised. He was like, he was like, I'm the last one to know. Right. He was the And that's always the way it is. The, 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 um, the um, quote, homophobic Holocaust, Holocaust denier is always the last one to know. <laughs> they're they're always, the last ones in, de- they're always the ones still in denial about everything. He was such denial but he was just so wrapped and but i i was watching her and i was really happy for her and i thought well this is a great thing for her to be able to do this um i don't know her i only know she and i had a friend in common a very good friend and it was very strange because um so last time i saw her i i um was at a funeral i had seen our our good friend we had a mutual friend who um he and i had not seen each other for many years and then i ran into him at um it was Kathy and Jimmy's birthday party, and he uh, and I were ca- caught up and exchanged emails, and it was so exciting, you know, to 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 you know revisit that relationship with him, and so he and I had been talking all weekend. You know, I saw him on Friday, and he um, he and I had been emailing each other all weekend, and on Monday he was dead. Oh no. And it was a very strange, terrible thing. And she um, had been very close to him. Jodie Foster was like a producing partner with him, and um, you know worked together very closely. And he was a gay man, and he was he 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 was always working with her and always doing stuff with her. And suddenly he was dead, and there was no explanation. He was healthy man, um, you know, very uh, very very charming, wonderful, smart guy, um, and then just never woke up. And so uh, I attended the funeral, which was 
couple of days later and she was um, speaking and, and she talked so much about how much he meant to her and how yeah. much how 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 much this this was really her family and and so and even during the course of this funeral like i i also noticed that she um was amongst her friends and family and still you know had this kind of distance you know not even really really talking that much about her life so i thought even mm-hmm. as in, in this kind of intimate situation she's still very guarded it's still got that that wall of like i've got it i've got to keep the the whatever the the secret or the, yeah. the image or whatever of who I am. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe that she was out with everybody, but it's still you know even even though she was out, this was a semi-public thing as a funeral is kind of a still wasn't comfortable enough no. to to even be that honest and open. Yeah. Even though last night she kind of said, "I did this years ago. How could you not know?" Right. But, but it's still like if you don't. I mean, that's the thing. If you don't acknowledge it. Is it? It's that tree falls in the wood. If you don't come out in public, do people? Yeah. Do people know? Sort of thing. <laughs> that you eat pussy, <laughs> and it's like you don't. You know, is the breath that, that you give don't it let away? wood fall anywhere near you? <laughs> but it's it's an it's an amazing thing to you know kind of watch somebody that is such a public figure also really be a very private figure in that you're at this funeral of somebody that we're right. all very close to and you're still unable because of who you are to honestly talk about your entire life so it was cool but it, the weird thing was is that my friend who died he and i had made all these plans and um you know we were discussing what we were going to do the following week and then i got a mysterious email from that mail a month later from his you know the, the guy who died and it was i think one of you know one of the members of the family i wasn't sure if it was his mother or father oh, or really? somebody who said i was just going through his um, emails and it looks like you were the last person to talk to him and oh, I'm wow. just so grateful that he was so excited to make plans with you and he was so excited to see you and that you know that you know that this was like the last things that he was doing when he was alive was was kind of connecting and reconnecting with you and I'm really really happy about that and so I was like That's you know amazing, weird. Yeah. it's weird to see a, an email from beyond the grave well that that is weird when it pops up because you go oh this is really weird you yeah. know and, and but then does that make you think like i gotta strengthen all my passwords so my family <laughs> doesn't get in <laughs> and start reading all the shit i'm writing to people because <laughs> that would be the worst i know right uh, your mother starts writing to your friends <laughs> like really i mean yeah it's like you want some some protection you right, know, put some right. numbers in there or something but i think that's nice that that that, um, that the the mother of this person because it is you know the the, fa- the family that's left after a child whatever age mm-hmm. even if they're you know older i think they they love to just know what that life was yeah. of the person and their friends and sharing that. Yeah. And the fact that it was such a positive thing probably gave them a really good peace of mind too. Yeah. It was really nice. But it's just it, all these memories came flooding back about about that when you know just seeing Jody, you know, give that speech and you know and 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 seeing her be like that honest and truthful and 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 also asking like for some privacy though. Like right. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. How about my work? Right. And plus she's saying I'm 50 years old and I can still I'm still viable. Right. So don't shut, you know, she opened with that. I'm 50, I'm 50, which I think was a reference to something else anyway, but I'm not sure. But, but it's still like, uh, you know, I can still work. You right. know, I don't need a lifetime achievement award. I want to still work. Yeah. She's, she's really claiming her relevance and, and, and really claiming her space as a film icon, but also somebody that can still do it and still deliver, well, which I think is great. Like 
I grew up watching some of them, you know, those old Disney movies and and the the weird sort of movies that she had back when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to see her now, you know, as this like super respected, uh, multiple award winning sort of actress like that. But you yeah. go, I remember in Candle Shoe and all <laughs> weird stuff like that, you know, those strange Disney movies, back. So Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday or um, Bad News Bad News Bear. Was she in that she one? In that one? Is that her? <laughs> I don't know. That's how respected she is. We're not quite sure. Well, I that mean, was Tatum O'Neill, was it? No, was or, it Tatum? No, it's Tatum no. O'Neill. I get so confused. Like some of those movies where you're like, "What, little darling?" No, that's all different people. I, that's I'm, Christy McNichol. Yeah, that's Christy McNichol. And, and then we're getting and into Tatum other O'Neill. territory, right? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's other people. They, they'll get their lifetime achievement award and get to make the statements, right? <laughs> Something. I remember Tatum O'Neill came over here one time, and she was looking in all the rooms of the house, just like, "Oh my God." <laughs> Like, she, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what was amazing about it? I what don't was she know. I'm furniture? Not, I'm not sure what she was tripping out about. It was just like, oh, my God. It was a crazy party that we had here. I, I never have parties anymore. That there was a party. It was a party that I said I'm not going to have any more parties because all of these um, – uh, these uh, people came that I didn't know, and then this one um, drag queen, like uh, – was walking out of the house and she had um, a little sculpture in her purse and and I knew that she had I saw her take it she off it? she had nicked it I saw her take it off the mantle and I saw her walk downstairs with it and I was like oh you're not leaving with that and I like once <laughs> yes, she was walking out the me. door <laughs> I grabbed her purse and I pulled it out of her purse and I was like what the fuck are you gonna take this is really this is mine and this is really fucking expensive. What are you, what are you stealing from me for? And then I, I was like, get the fuck out. And then she goes, you're not Madonna. <laughs> and then I shut the door in her face. You're not Madonna. And I was like, I, I know I'm not Madonna, but. I don't even know how that's relevant to. You can't steal stiff, stuff. Madonna, Madonna doesn't care. <laughs> if it was Madonna, I wouldn't even think about stealing because it's you. Yeah. I'm, I'm looting your shit. I'm looting, I'm looting you because you're not You're Madonna. not Madonna. You're not Madonna. I know. I'm I think that's Madonna. just the standard excuse that uh, that is used in that case. Like, you're not Madonna. Yeah. And then you just stand there going, what? And then she's gone. <laughs> I am not Madonna. But I am Margaret Cho. <laughs> and this is Jim Short. And we are um, we are doing our a shout cast. But we didn't go to the Golden Globes, even though I did watch, um, the, the you know, the great monologue, the, the great word sort of dialogue by... Um, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, which was really funny. Really funny stuff. I, I have to ask, though, since it's post-Globes, wh- what are you wearing? Who, who are you wearing? I'm sorry. Who are you wearing? What are you wearing is more creepier, isn't it? What are you wearing? <laughs> what are you wearing? Who are you wearing? I kind of messed up my, my line on that one. But who yeah, who are you wearing? That's what who they want to ask, right? I know. That's all they care about. Who are they wearing? I don't know. They I didn't great. see any of that. I did see, and I, I feel like I'm a bit out of touch now because I don't have the cable, and I definitely don't have the home box. The lady that does the show Girls... Did she see her oh, trying Le- to make it to, to the stage? Oh, I didn't, I didn't see She it. was in some thing that she couldn't walk. Oh, no. And it was so tight, I guess, that she it took her like extra long to get up there. Mm-hmm. And I think when they asked her what she was wearing, she said the leg, ch- le- the leg chains from Dang... The jang- I can't even get this. <laughs> I can't even get this out. I'm wearing the leg chains from Dang... Jang- <laughs> no, do it. Okay. I'm wearing the leg chains from Django Unchained. Brilliant. I'm glad I got that out finally. And it's not funny anymore. No, no, no. It's really funny. She couldn't funny. walk. No, she couldn't walk. She was, um, yeah, I, got, I didn't see that. But that, that's a common problem at those award ceremonies, especially if you're sitting near the back and then you win and you have to like march right, all the way up right. there with heels on and a long dress. And I, I'm never, you know, I'm never really one for any of that kind of stuff. So uh, I think it would be tough. Is it? It's really tough, right, to walk. It's like, tough is, to walk. Are, they, are they just, I've not worn uh, a dress that tight. 
<laughs> um, not worn that many dresses. But you prefer an A line. Yeah, you exactly. prefer you prefer something that you know so can cut on the bias. I just uh, yeah, I just uh, I just rock a mini most places. So <laughs> there's a lot of legs. room. There's a lot of room. Yeah, I got to show off these gams. Hot. You're not Madonna. You're not um, Madonna. But, uh, I'm glad not to be Madonna. Yeah, but yeah, it was just, and I thought there were some good speeches. The the Daniel Day Lewis speech, very touching. He seemed really moved. Did you see that? I didn't see that when he was looking at Spielberg. Like he had that moment, like he just looked at him. But I think he missed out by uh, by not opening with four score and seven years ago. <laughs> he did miss an opportunity. <laughs> that was he might be saving that for the Oscars, like uh, the big his uh, Gettysburg I, I acceptance. He, I think he should. Well, the Golden Globes are always, they sort of kick off a show season. And I, the, the last time I attended, I was actually a presenter. And I, uh, this was so long ago, I presented at the Golden Globes Awards with um, Joey Lawrence. So that's how long ago it she was. She was in all the Kevin's. No, no Joey I'm, Lawrence who am I thinking like, of? Joey Adam. No, Joey. Um, Jolie Fisher? No. no jo- uh, but you're Joey Lawrence Joey from, um, from a challenge. <laughs> Joey Heatherton? <laughs> yes, exactly. Who am I thinking of? I'm just really out of it. Um, Joey uh, Lawrence. You, you mean Joey Lawrence from Blossom? Uh, yeah. I that was, I was that like guy, right? Class, but no, it's not Heather's yeah. class. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Blossom. Or I don't know. Yeah, Blossom. But he was, uh, he and I presented, and um, it was a tie between, I can't remember what show, and I can't remember the other show. But those <laughs> but, two shows. But two shows actually won. So two entire casts and, and producers and writers came up. Like, they um, all came up, so there was, there was no room whatsoever. There was about, like, 30 people on stage. And how many drunk people? Um, most of them were The drunk. Globes is pretty drunk, right? It's pretty well, drinky, right? It's pretty drinky because it's, like, you know, foreign press, so, you know, you've got, you and you've got, you know, all the English press. Right. You've got to go down to pub. <laughs> Excuse us. We've, we're just <laughs> nipping out for a pint. <laughs> go, down to, go down to pub. And the winner is, uh, sorry, man, we'll, we'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Hold on. I'm in the loo. Hold on. <laughs> go down to pub. And um, so, but it is, um, it is sort of the one sort of like, it, I think the Golden Globes really sets the tone for the rest of the awards. But I, um, I, I saw, and Quentin um, won, uh, was it, is it best original screenplay? Best uh, original screenplay. Or was which it, is, yeah, but some kind of screenplay. Which yeah. is great. And, in, and, and, you know, we, you and I decided instead of going um, to watch this award show, we actually went to the movies. And that, that's the best way to celebrate Absolutely. A, any movie. And we, I, we are so, I, I am so pleased that we saw Django Unchained. And I, I loved the movie. And I know that you did too. And, um, you know, I'm an old, old friend of Quentin Tarantino's. And I remember um, years and years ago when he and I were hanging out, we would, we would watch movies. And he had bought... Um, you know, he had just gotten all of this success from Reservoir Dogs and, and, and all the success from Pulp Fiction. And he had bought the entire um, inventory of video archives, which was the video store that he worked at on um, Manhattan Beach. And it, it was 8,000 movies. And so we are on a project to watch all of them, or, or quite as many as we could. <laughs> and these are old VHS, right? These VHS are videos. And, um, you know, all VHS movies. I think there were a couple of DVDs in there, um, you know, that were very newfangled. Right, brand new kind of like, brand what's new? this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was mostly mostly VHS tapes. And um, so we were, we were on this sort of Mandingo trip, and I remember watching uh, Mandingo over and over and we you know sometimes if we would love a movie we would just like start it again from the beginning beginning we'd watch the movie and then watch the whole thing once more because we couldn't it, it was worth more than one screening and and um so those are the wonderful times that I remember just seeing somebody like that's such a genius you know Quentin Tarantino who was really um 
figuring out what kind of movies he wanted to make. And um, so it was, a, it was a great time to be friends with him. But now going to see his films, it's funny that I can see like, oh, I know the moment where he thought of that, like um, with the whole, that, the whole Ku Klux Klan thing. I remember right. Quentin really liking a joke of mine that I used to do about the Ku Klux Klan and, and talking about how their hoods, like how do, they, how do they get them? Do they, is there a simplicity pattern? You know, is there a way that they make them? And somebody's got to be sewing those. Right. And um, he really thought that that was funny. And I, I, I saw that he kind of took it and ran with it in the film. And that, that's a great, it's a great thing to, to watch that and, and see everybody enjoy it. And then remember, oh, I remember when we all set these jokes up like 20 years ago. Those little inspirations mm-hmm. uh, for that kind of stuff. And that's a funny scene in the movie about they don't fit and they're badly made. But yeah, that's the backstory. You think somebody has to make these clan outfits. Right. Somebody's got to be home sewing it and, and mm-hmm. putting it together. And, and uh, you know, I can picture them standing on like, you know, on, on a stool as they're sort of hemming it. <laughs> but yeah, that's funny that, that to imagine that kind of backstory. And that, that's, that's why that it came out of like an old joke of yours. Yeah. And, and that, that you inspiration, know, yeah. And you see it, and then you go, wow, you know, we're really all all connected. You know, it's like we all came up in this business. And, and it, you know, I haven't seen him for a long time. The last time I saw him was when he was getting the um, – he, he was looking for, oh, so I ran him to the airport and he was looking for locations mm-hmm. um, for, you know, in Louisiana for, for Django Unchained. And, and um, so it's, it's a great thing. I, I get so excited when um, I see his movies and, and you know, because I, I just remember all of the love that he had for film. And, and, you know, it's the weirdest thing. Like I think about when we used to hang out, like I also really treasure the memories of like, people kissing his ass like nobody right. I have never seen that level of ass kissing in any context in any way right you right. know in any I mean um I remember when Prince Charles came to America and um they had a big dinner for him and and we we, we watched Frankenstein <laughs> the Kenneth Branagh the Kenneth Branagh one yeah and there was a huge like hall and you know and everybody was there for the prince and it was like um and Emma Thompson was next to the prince and she was yes your highness no your highness yes your highness you know yes and people weren't kissing prince charles's ass as much as they kissed I know right I know right it's just yeah cuz he can he can't he can't he can't revive their career Prince Charles isn't looking for, for actors from the 80s no. that he can, you know, get back into production. But no. that's great. But it's beyond, you know, the, the power that a visionary director has in Hollywood, somebody like that. Well, you know, he's so, so exciting. That's the thing about it, especially when, mm-hmm. when, you know, Pulp Fiction came out and it was just like this gigantic sort of explosion because he's so passionate and... and at that time, you know, there weren't that many movies that were really the, where the dialogue was that that smart mm-hmm. and good, and the performances and that kind of level of like it was it was violent yet funny, yet interesting, um, and and I think anything like that happens in entertainment, and people go, oh, this is this is somebody really amazing. Mm-hmm. So, and what he did with you know these other actors, where he sort of did take them from their careers maybe being on a, on the wane and, and yeah. then going, no, they're still they're still good if they're in the right project. You know, yes. I mean that movie was unbelievable. It was beautiful and he he has such a love for cinema and also a love for the underdog and also for the the um the magical properties of cinema. That if you are um 
an, uh, an outsider, if you are an underdog, you can triumph in film. You can, tr you can yeah. take your pain and you can exchange it for glory. And, and it's really uh, these kinds of genre films, like this sort of revenge picture, the sort of classic revenge picture that Django Unchained is, is a really cathartic thing for society. And, you know, so for somebody like myself, you know, like to watch it, I feel really empowered. I know that there's a lot of race arguments and you know mm -hmm. talk about the language and the violence in that film but to me um ultimately as a person of color coming out of a movie that really glorifies people of color and glorifies the outsider it it, it just made me feel right really good so i found it very empowering and but but even like in in a weird way like if you even take the racial aspect out of it which is hard because it's so very big in it it's revenge against the people who deserved revenge. Right. No matter who they are, whatever yeah. the story was, everyone that died in that movie, with the exception of Christoph Waltz, deserved to die. Right. There right. was not one person where you're going, oh, I wish they'd have let him. No, kill them all. <laughs> kill all those bastards. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, I haven't walked out of a movie with that kind of feeling of exhilaration about a film in such a long time. Right. But that's what his movies do. Although it's funny though because it it's such a different he's such a a different unique filmmaker, and I, I remember talking to my parents who are not um, they love films and everything but maybe not the target audience. Mm -hmm. They'd seen Pulp Fiction on on uh, on cable at some point, and they didn't like it. What? And, I, and I was wondering like, well, what didn't they like? Was it the violence? Was it the excessive drug use? Was mm -hmm. it the profanity? Was it was it the men being raped? And they didn't like that it was out of sequence and they couldn't follow along what was going on. They're like, yeah, we didn't know what was happening. Oh, that's what they didn't like about it. That's funny. That's <laughs> that, great. That's what, that's what got them like, is he still alive? What, huh? yeah. What's happening here? How did they? Never mind. We, so you're okay with the guy getting, getting, uh, you know, getting it in the ass by two crackers in the, in the basement. That was all right. That's you fine. just weren't sure. When did that happen? <laughs> But it's so, is it before or after they had to clean up the car? Yeah. Right, <laughs> what, right. what, um, that's really interesting. Well, it, you know, it, I have some uh, memorabilia from that film that I can't find now. Like I have oh, a, really? um, a couple of the bongs from the, the house um, because we, uh, we ended up using them quite a lot. You know, he, he brought them over and then, you know, we actually use them in in life right to right. watch all the 8,000 movies and then also I have um, a lot of the uh, UC Santa Cruz banana slug sweatshirts worn by um, John Travolta and also all the extras that never, oh right right know, right I have a ton of them and I can't find any of it I have all this like movie memorabilia I think there's history. a connection between the the two <laughs> the bongs and not being able to it's like oh yeah hang on wait a minute yeah I, that's why I can't it's, find it's cause and, uh, cause and, and effect, effect right, right there <laughs> But I, I, I really, I, I love, I love Quentin Tarantino because here's somebody that I know was bullied in his life, you know, and then, you know, really had a hard time as a younger person. And then now he makes such a huge statement in these kinds of like revenge of the underdog films, these artworks that are really specifically for people who feel like disempowered and who suddenly claim all their power back and it, and it is it is a very myth mythological kind of a thing for somebody mm -hmm. who who had endured such suffering you know in in these social situations as I did I understand that like my own um Ronnie's got something to say <laughs> but I mean I think um 
you know, the, the, the reason I do comedy is really all to find a place of empowerment, you know, to find uh, a place where I had a voice. You know, I started very young, you know, when I was a t really young teenager and I was such a painfully shy kid and I got bullied a lot because I was so intensely shy and, um, you know, comedy is a place where I knew that I, I could have a voice and I, I could mm. have some kind of control over what what I what I, I was go was going to be my destiny. Was um, were you interested in? I mean, was it stand up? That, did you did you have people that you went? Oh, that I love that. I want to do that. Or did you sort of gravitate towards it from? Other performance stuff? No, it was really like when I saw stand-ups on television, I I saw how empowered they were. Mm -hmm. And I saw, I think probably the person that really did it for me was Joan Rivers when she yeah. hosted Saturday Night Live. And she would do sets and she was killing and killing. And I, I saw her and I saw, here's this like very, very kind of sweet looking person. This right. small woman who's like really, you know, commanding all of this attention and power and and her the fact that she was so physically small uh, i i uh, and and had such a huge yeah. presence really affected me and i thought i could i could do that i could do that and i i i had dreams about it right. and then um you know but i i, I was such a a, a terrible I, I mean i was such a terribly shy person and i remember that i got bullied a lot because i was so shy and one thing that sticks out of my mind, it was a horrible thing. When I was 14 years old, I, the first time I had sex, I w and this is not even sex, I was raped by um, this older guy. Uh, he was 22, and he was the boyfriend of this g a high school girl that you know we were in school with, and, and it was this horrible, horrible thing. And, and um, so on the Monday, that I, I remember, remember going to school and getting really um, teased about it. And this one kid, his name was Dominic, um, he was so awful to me. And he told me that, well, the only reason anybody would fuck you is to rape you because you're so fat and worthless. Like, that's the only reason anybody would want to be sexual with you. That's the only way you're going to get sex is if you're going to get raped. And it was such a horrible thing to say. It's like, I've already been... right assaulted and mm -hmm. you're going to not only blame me for the assault but you're going to actually make the statement of like this is going to continue to happen to you or this is the only kind of sex or affection you deserve is that and it was horrible right it's, so, it's like it's like not only have you you've had a criminal act mm -hmm. now people are, are are just violating you again yeah in that way why is it why is it though that being shy and quiet and keeping to yourself why is that the person they attack? The one person who's not harming? Because I think yeah. you'll find so many people that they, they were just quiet and, and, and maybe creative and artistic. Mm -hmm. And they just and, and the mob just has to zero in on that person all I the think, time. I think because in general, most people are afraid to speak. And that if, um, if they can divert the attention to somebody else who seems fearful they will deflect their own sort of like guilt yeah. in that they can deflect that like i'm you know i'm not shy like that like look at that you know that if they can point fingers then they're they're pointing away they're directing the attention away from themselves so i think it's really fear-based yeah or something i'm not sure what was wrong with that particular guy but so dominic anyway years later after i had like 
left high school and left, you know, my education behind to go be a stand-up comedian and achieve some success as a comedian, I remember doing a show at the Punchline in San Francisco, and Dominic was sitting in the front row with a date and two other people and watching the show, and I remember I was on stage and I was killing, doing really well, but I couldn't even focus because I was looking at him just appalled that he, you know, here's this horrible, horrible person who was horrible to me growing right, up. Right. And, you know, he's sitting in the front row of my show and just like smiling and laughing and hoping that I'm going to recognize him. It's like, you don't right. want me to recognize you. You don't want me to talk about who you are, how I know you. Because I will tell people, but I just didn't want to disrupt my own flow. I didn't want to. And, and not even give him any of that power. No. Of of even though you know him in the worst way, yeah, that's the thing. People still go, but I know her. Yeah, like that's how they live. That's how they impress their friends. I still know her. Yeah, yeah. but you know her because you're a fucking asshole to her. But such an asshole, and it's like so revolting that he would show his face, right, and sit in the front like and bring thinking people. that oh, it was so long ago. We were children. It doesn't like <laughs> what is the mindset of somebody that comes to do that? And I think that. I, I think that that's that people are just so not connected to their own cruelty sometimes that no. they don't even think about it. Like, no. oh, we were children, so it doesn't count. But that, I mean, that's that's beyond bullying. That's that's just it's it's criminal, really. It's really Be it's criminal. So so people knew about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And were there, were there any repercussions? No, no, they legally. Were, no, there were no legal re repercussions. I I didn't know how to do anything yeah, like that. Yeah, all these people knew. All these people knew, and that was really pain. I didn't want to talk about it anymore, and it was painful enough. I didn't want my parents to find out, right. and I was really scared. And But what was weird was um, I rem the, I saw my rapist uh, once. He um, It was the night that I was doing half-hour comedy hour when they would fil they were filming it in, in San Francisco. At the, at the, the Great American, Great American. American yeah. Musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I had done a set, and it was, it was rocking. It was really, really great. And 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 um, the lobster was there. You know, remember him, the that comedian uh, DJ, the lobster. Yeah, yeah, from yeah, yeah. Him and Doug Zilla used to do yeah. the songs, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they were really nice. And the lobster came up to me and he said, "You're the comedy Madonna." Wow. And it was such a compliment. Wow. And and then he tried to steal some of your shit out of your green room. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the comedy You're Madonna. You're not the comedy Madonna. <laughs> and then um, but I I remember um being really elated and doing so well on the show and feeling so great about myself and then I, I was walking around the auditorium and everything was kind of shutting down and people were leaving and I saw my rapist no one. and he was drunk and he was kind of like trying to figure out how to get out of the theater and then he um, saw me and we locked eyes and then he he lifted his finger to say I know you and then when he said you he remembered right and then he just turned away really and then I just would I was shaking like I was like I but he was so drunk and so like pathetic and like just by himself and couldn't figure out how to get out of the theater and I was like oh my god you know you just sat there and you watched the show and you watched me and you 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 just really realized you just realized just first off that that inclination like I do know you oh now I know why I know yeah. you and it, what a it what a what a what a sociopath it right? was so terrible but it was so it was also a great triumph in a mm -hmm. sense like I was like I don't even have to do anything like I don't the, the revenge is that we are exactly this this in this moment yeah now and I have this career and this life and you're you're so fucked up you can't get out of the theater right and it was really it was pretty profound, like for me. 
So in a sense, like I go, oh, well, you know, there is a kind of retribution, like a psychic Mm -hmm. retribution over time that you can kind of see. And that's why I I feel so bad when teenagers like kill themselves for being bullied. Right. Because I'm like, no, you got to stick around for the end. You got to stick around to see what happens. Right. You'll, 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 it'll, life will make it up to you. There is another chapter. There is better. And that's the beauty, I think, of stand up too, because. I mean, not only does it give voice to many people, but in your specific case, that's what that's what that's what saved you. Mm-hmm. It really saves lives, you know. It, it saved my life, and I know, you know, for somebody like Quentin Tarantino, it definitely saved his life. You can see all of the the spirit and the blood behind it when you watch his movies. That's why I love his movies so much because it is so cathartic, for right? Me. And and then and the, that kind of art is really really valuable. But that's why stand up comedy is such a, you know, to me, I respect and love the art form so much because it saved my life. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, that has been uh, our first uh, podcast, Shoutcast. Shoutcast. Um, Thank you for listening, and we'll be back um, soon. Um, This is Margaret Cho. And I'm Jim Shaw. Now, we have uh, margaretcho.com. You can go and find out when we're on and and where they can can find out about your stuff. Um, just, just, uh, Just keep your eyes and ears open. Yeah. You'll hear about me. Yeah, <laughs> I got uh, jimshort.com. Yeah, we have um, w- we have uh, yeah, we have shows. We're out there, so come see us. But um, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>